hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your host, Daniel Colbert. Today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by um, Synthstrom. 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 It's nice of them to make an easy to pronounce name for their company. Synth Synthstrom. Synthstrom. Yeah, synth That's a word that you can't say slowly. How slowly can you say that word? Synth. Couldn't finish it. Yeah. Um, um, synthstrom. Tell me about synthstrom. The deluge or the deluge. deluge. I say the deluge. I think it's a deluge. It is a deluge or deluge. It's deluge, right? It's hard, is it? Yeah. Deluge or deluge. It, I I think that depends on where where in the country you're from. Right, I'm from Buffalo. Well, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the I'm gonna say the deluge because that's what I say. Uh-huh. And half the people on YouTube tutorials say it differently, so it's okay. Yeah. Nobody knows how to say it. It is interesting how like at a certain point, like when everyone became fully online, um, like we sort of developed like a a little bit of grace for people with public platforms just pronouncing words completely incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. where it's like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of words we all have just read on the internet and don't know how to say out loud. So like, whatever. I think we've talked about this, but I, my, yeah. my big one was Tutterial. Yeah. Uh-huh. My, my friend Ray Suzuki would, uh, would say uh, Tuts. Tuts, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Tutterial. There's definitely... A good amount of them. Demon, never Damon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Demon. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah a bunch there's of a them. Bunch. I just can't. There's think a bunch. Of them. I know. Yeah. There's. I mean, there's names. There's Freak Vanderhurten. Mm-hmm. And there's Adam Wathen. And there's Laravel. Laravel. <laughs> Tell me about the Deluge. The Deluge. <laughs> dude okay so this episode this is a sponsored post sinstrom sent me a deluge um because they really wanted it featured on the show so um we're, you know we're a hot commodity yeah so i told the him synth marketing industry okay you can send me a deluge and then i'll use it and i'll but i'll praise only it. gonna talk about it if i like it right exactly and so so i do like it so <laughs> sinstrom is in luck um the deluge folks oh my gosh so I've, I've like, what's your history with, um, like electronic music? Um, well, I was real into dubstep in like 2009. Who wasn't? Mm. Come on. Come on. You got your excision and Datsik and Rusko. I don't know. Gotta love it all. Um, but yeah, I, I've DJed a little bit. Really? I've never created electronic music from whole cloth. Yeah, but I am familiar with like how to use Serato and how to. I don't know what that is. What's that? Serato and Tractor are like the two major oh. like DJing applications. Yeah. Okay. So I like have used CDJs with like a mixer and Serato to like DJ. Before. What's CDJs? CDJs are these. Things that replace turntables. Okay, the physical like, like DJing setup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are pretty dope looking. Yeah, 
I bet they feel pretty dope too. It does feel dope. Yeah, that's they're cool. heavy. The like the disc parts right. are, are have weight to them. Yeah, I've never spun one, but I would love to. If you ever spun like a, a fidget spinner, yeah, just like imagine like a thousand dollar fidget spinner, and that's right. what a CDJ is. Okay, it's so like ooh, this this action is really nice. It's like a ball bearing with a giant heavy wheel. Okay, all right, yeah. I mean, it seems great. It seems great, Dan Cole. So, yeah, I mean, I I haven't done a ton myself, but I've like always messed around with Ableton a little mm-hmm. bit and mm-hmm. tried some stuff because of, you know, I've done a lot of music stuff and music recording, but it's always been analogy, you know, guitar and vocals and whatnot. And I've wanted to do electronic stuff. So, a while ago, I bought one of these guys. Uh, the Launchpad, the Novation Launchpad, yep. one of these. And yep. so that idea is like, because when you're just using, um, I'm actually, I'm not an expert in Ableton at all, but so, cause there's probably like a bunch of people who listen to this who are much better at me, much better than me at Ableton. But, um, but it, you know, like I, I was like, okay, I don't, I have the software, but I don't ever use it. I don't like using it. It's not fun. And it's like another piece of software that's super hard to learn. And like, I don't want to sit there and like learn it. Um, so I'm like, I'll get a physical, you know, pad that like lights up and everything and then i'll like using it because it's like a physical instrument but i found what's the the ableton branded version of that this is that this is their like the kind of like but there's one that has like a little screen at the top with little knobs there's the launch key pro or something there's like yeah i know what you're talking about this is the the light version of that but i think okay dave hicking brought that to titan onsite and did like a what what were they called a titan talk yeah it's a launch key sampling and making beats and sampling and stuff and he showed us how to use like ableton simpler yeah okay um, yeah to sample and like we all made beats and it was so cool and i'm intended to buy that since then and never have um yeah what is it uh, yeah trying to think i think it's i thought it was the launch key the novation launch key they're they're kind of they're super tightly integrated with ableton um okay so they're basically like uh they're they're built for ableton so they have a lot of the the mappings are all set up the names are all the same um so i think it was a launch key i don't know if you can find one was it like a piano looking thing or was it oh oh no. the ableton push that's what you're ableton talking about push that's, that's the, the thing one of. right yeah that's yeah it's like a thousand bucks or something yeah and it's but it's like has like direct software control of ableton it's like very very tightly integrated right but the cool thing about it is like you can sample and it will like automatically like if you like put in like the right bpms or like you can even like manually click it in if it's not like a gridded out song yeah um you like click it in and then it'll just sample your song for you gotcha and put samples on different pads yep and then uh but then you can like open it up and like mm. edit the waveforms directly on the thing right and, like trim it a little bit or whatever yeah it's crazy yes um that is crazy i the only thing i ever really did with this which is similar to what you're describing and i think i use simpler um i i used uh or i when uh closer came out by the chain smokers mm-hmm 
I was like, this is such a dope song. I want to, oh, and I saw somebody on YouTube use, I think they used the Launchpad Pro and mm -hmm. they mapped out like all the parts of the song mm -hmm. to the pads. And they also like programmed their own pad animations. So if they like click one, it would like spread out from that really yeah, beautifully. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, dun, 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 you know, doing the like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing just fine before I met you. And it, and it was like, it was perfectly done and it was so cool. And I was like, this is the pinnacle of whatever electronic music for me right now. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. what it was is mostly a pre-programmed performance. And most of it was all just kind of stock, you know, in there. It wasn't really like admirable. Gotcha. I mean, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. But it, but it sort video. of like kind of to the to the naive viewer like myself, I sort of had this idea that I could like use this instrument to create these noises, you know, without just like sampling the entire song into little clips, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I gave up on it because... uh I don't know because it's so software-y and it's so mm -hmm. like computer-y. I have to like use my mouse and keyboard and stuff. Yeah. Um, then, so, but I watch Andrew Huang. You watch Andrew Huang ever? I love Andrew Huang, yeah. Dude, this guy's on another level. Is have you seen insane. his space stuff? I've, have you downloaded his uh, DAW, his iPad DAW? No. I have. It's good. It it's looks fun. great. Yeah. <laughs> I decided to spend $1,000 on a synth instead of just instead using of the, his ten dollar yeah, whatever it is <laughs> which can do everything that this can it looks awesome no, but those pads just feel good yeah there's um, something about pressing those pads that like feels sure. really nice pads and knobs man pads and uh -huh. knobs but andrew huang you, you've seen his space stuff yeah i know i know andrew huang like what's up with that he's Wait, his what stuff? His spaceship stuff. So you Maybe haven't. I don't know what you're so you haven't about. seen his videos in a bit, but you should watch his videos. This guy, okay. anybody listening, I don't care if you're into this stuff or not. Go watch Andrew Huang. He like you know just started out as he started out. What did he start out as? Oh, he was the guy. This is probably when you got into him. He he would make stuff. He would make like songs out of physical objects, basically. Yeah. He'd like I've seen take a all pencil that, but I mean, like, I've seen he's also like a gear reviewer. And right. A then I think he became more of a gear reviewer. Stuff. Then he became yeah. a modular synth guy. And and then he does those four producers, one sample. Yes. Things. And now he's doing yeah. all that. But at some point, he just turned a corner like within the last year where there's now like a narrative to each of his videos. So he'll do like a gear review video, but it'll start out as like there's a whole story arc to his videos now of him like going into space on a spaceship Whoa. and now he records all his videos not from his studio from a spaceship and like when he does the part of the video where he goes and plays music there'll be like this little transition and he'll like put on his space gear and his helmet and he'll walk out onto like mars or whatever planet he's on dude there's like a whole mystery about crystals and there's like a god crystal that like talks to him it's the oh trippiest god. thing ever and it's so now, well produced. Did you listen to Reply All at any point? No. Okay. There was like an arc of Reply All. Um, so they have the notorious Beatmaster Cylinder um, producing all the like music and sound effects for their show. Okay. Notorious Beatmaster Cylinder is a produces some other shows as well. And is just like a... He just... 
I don't know. He's like a DJ slash producer for podcasts and he makes things sound really cool. Sweet. But he would do these skits at the end of the podcast. And it was like, there was like an arc where it was just like after the podcast, it was just like two like vocodered voices Mm. talking to each other. And I think it was like a dog and a person who were both in spacesuits who had like been on a spacewalk but had accidentally gotten jettisoned from the ship and were now kind of just flying off into deep space hmm. and we're just kind of like talking about things. Yep. Um, but like you would like revisit these characters at the and it yeah. was like a total non sequitur. It wasn't related to the content of the episode or what like the episode would be about like spearfishing. Yeah. Um, and then it would be like at the end you would just hear these like two vocoder voices talking about like flying off into deep space at the end. It was wild. That's wild. That's, I mean. Anyway, it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, similar deal. So I don't know. He must, it's crazy because somebody who produces the quality of stuff he produces to think that he could be like hungry for more for like a a higher level of creativity is like kind of astonishing. But that's just what I get the vibe is he's like, I just want to step it up. And even though this is like a YouTube gear review channel, I'm going to turn it into a movie you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where I'm, where I do everything. So anyway, he put out a video six months ago. That's like three portable, my favorite portable synths or something like three portable synths. And the first one was the deluge. The second one was the OP three or the OP one. Mm-hmm. Have you OP1. seen he, he's yeah. all into the OP one, which is crazy folks at home. It looks like this little like kids piano. It looks like a toy. It looks like a toy. It's super small. And it costs like 1200 bucks. Yeah. And teenage it, engineering. Yeah. They do a lot of cool stuff. But apparently I don't own any of the things, but I watch Andrew Huang. So he did the deluge. He did that. And then he did his own app. Um, but he did the deluge and he's just showing like, he just demoed like some of the stuff that he just made on it. And I instantly fell in love and it was just clear to me right away that like, this is the answer for me because I need an acoustic instrument, like not technically acoustic, but I need something not connected to a computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just don't like being on the computer for this kind of thing. So this is an, it's a box all in one. It's a DAW, it's a synth, it's a looper, it's an arranger, it's a sequencer. It does everything. Can you load it up with your own samples and stuff too? Oh yeah. You could. Have you? Yeah. I, I mean, I made a, um, like I'll just, like I, I have a synth in here. Let me see if I can load it super quick. Um, I think it's called, let me see. It's called fl- Flitter. Yeah, so. Can you hear that? I'll put you sort to, of. My, to my speaker. I don't know if this will work. You hear that? Okay. Can you hear it all right? Uh-huh. Like that? Um, so that's just me plucking a string on my guitar. There's a mic on this thing. So I just like oh, nice. plucked a string. And oh, then right. I forgot there's a mic on it. Yeah, there's a mic. There's line line in. There's there's lines out. There's MIDI in. Um, so the, the idea is like I could hook up my guitar to this. I could hook up a MIDI keyboard and a microphone. And this I could like live perform a song and use it as a loop pedal. But then like you can do time stretching and everything. And I could just throw down like a beat. I could, you know, apply all sorts of filters and and effects to the, to the live performance, but I could just say a word. I could say 10 words and make it a drum kit 
or I could, you know, use one one waveform from that word as like the oscillator for a synth, you know? So anyway, dude, it's blowing my mind and I've never used an interface so bonkers. Like this thing, there's, you know, a ton of buttons and pads, but it does like a thousand times what it looks like it does. Yeah. So the key combinations, there's a full keep, like there's only, the only display is a four letter, like liquid crystal display. Seven segment display. Yeah. Right. And like, if you're going to save a file on here, this whole pad turns into a QWERTY keyboard. So you can like type in the file name on yeah. directly on the grid. If you like, if I'm scrolling waveforms, let me just see if I can do this super quick and then I'll stop showing you things because the listener doesn't give a hoot. But so like if I'm selecting like a waveform, like the buttons you know, turn into the display. Yeah. The display becomes the waveform display and you can edit waveforms. You can zoom in and zoom out. Um, anyway, you can do freaking everything on this thing. It's unbelievable. I was just working on like before we got on. Um, you can't, I don't know if you can hear that, but <laughs> this is like the song view, whatever. I'm working on um, Penguin by Avicii. I just want to like recreate it. So anyway, the deluge, man. Who could work when you got a deluge? Exactly. So we had to make it a long segment because they sponsored the show. So mm. Mm. thanks for sponsoring mm. deluge. Mm. Thanks for sponsoring the show deluge. Um, one other, I didn't want to like insert another like weird uh, like podcast breaking the fourth wall thing. But here's one. Um, if you haven't listened to Hello from the Magic Tavern, you have to go listen to Hello from the Magic Tavern. It is insane. Start at the beginning. Just press play. It's a good show to listen to when you're going to sleep or something. Like, it's just, it's great. So it is some Chicago improv people. Um, okay. Oh, interesting. And basically, the narrative is this guy was behind a Burger King in Chicago. He was sucked into an interdimensional portal and he woke up in the magical land of Foon in a pub. Um, But he has his laptop and he's still getting a faint Wi-Fi signal through the portal. So he decided to start recording and releasing a podcast with some of the characters in Foon, hoping that someone will find it and find a way to rescue him. Um. But over time, it becomes apparent that the whole podcast network and the ads and everything are all controlled by the same evil force that sent him through the portal. Wow. So the ad Hi, breaks Ernie, are part of the show. I fell through a portal behind a Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> I found myself in a strange magic land called Foon. Dude, all right. I'm in. You have to listen to Hello from the Magic okay. It's It's, it's so open and I'll listen to it. A buddy of mine, the guy, a guy I'm doing this NFT thing with, is a Chicago improv guy. So I'm yeah, he, he he's might even listen to know the, these people if he doesn't hasn't listened to. It. Yeah. Um he might have cool. even been on it. Who knows? Who knows? I There's was so I many was side characters. Picking his over brain time. on on like uh what's the big Chicago improv thing? Second City? Uh like where Amy Poehler City, and yeah. um uh-huh. what's Steve uh <laughs> Yeah, UCB's the New York one, Second City's the Chicago. Can I think of Michael from the office's name. Mm-hmm. Steve. What's his name? Carell. Yeah. What is wrong with me? 
wow i mean a lot of things a lot of things you, yeah i was like oh so like did you try out for second city or were you part and he he told me like because it's so huge you know from our perspective mm-hmm. it just seems like you know the hottest thing super cool he's like it's actually this huge like money-making machine now they have like mm-hmm. a thousand different courses mm-hmm. and it's Same very UCB. what's that uh upright citizens brigade it's the it's the second city of new york oh okay it's where like a lot of the snl people came out of like, gotcha okay tina fey and oh. all those people yeah so i don't know i had a different mental image of these things i it they seemed more like i don't know what they seemed but now it's like clear that they're very commercial it's like a university of comedy it's a university of comedy yeah and i'm not trying to take a dump on it that's probably great but i just thought it was something more you know what i'm saying indie yeah that's what i yeah. thought i think it used to be it just isn't now they yeah. figured it out right they figured out how they to make figured it out yep and they got the advertising they brought in a, brought in a couple of mckinsey consultants and they uh they were like hey i think we can uh scale this yep <laughs> yes mm. so yeah i'll have to listen to this dude it's really good i'm in dude you think we should become like get into kind of like management consulting type stuff, you know, like just kind of Definitely. abandon programming and just kind of go into organizations and be like, you should fire these 10 people and scale this up and yeah. turn this into a real. A lot of organizations have like a good beating heart, but they don't know how to scale. Yeah. You know, and they need and someone like us. Yeah. Well, the issue is they don't know, you know, when to fire someone who's put their heart and soul into the company. Right. So and the answer is more probably money. now. Probably as early as possible, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know that person <laughs> who knows every nook and cranny of your code base? Get rid of them. You should probably fire them. Yeah, probably yeah. fire them and bring in three fresh Stanford grads. Yeah. That's the answer. I, I There was a guy at like three jobs ago who probably talked about him, but like he wrote everything, he knew everything, and they just got the vibe like that people like me coming in because we were all in like laravel and like next level stuff that just kind of became this like oh that dude's like the old crusty dude you know who doesn't like and he was he's younger than us but he's like that dude's the old crusty dude let's uh fire him mm-hmm. <laughs> and i i don't know that day i learned that that your job security is not based on how much value you provide to the company it's other things no. as well yeah no uh positioning is key it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. And selling a narrative of Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. that matters so much. It matters so much, dude. Yep. That's wild. Man. It is wild. And that's why people need us. Yeah. Yep. So hop on our email list. Hit the mm-hmm. subscribe button below. <laughs> but check out I the think a lot of dude. my Titan job security had to do with the fact that I sold the narrative. And I mean, if Matt's listening, he can tell me if I'm right. But I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I sold the narrative of myself as the React Native guy. Because I saw oh. a hole. I saw that Titan yeah. was getting a lot of potential React Native work and other people like weren't that interested in learning React Native. So I like learned React Native. And I like be I like came up in Samantha Geitz's shadow. Yeah. And basically like learned React from Sam. And then sort of became the react native guy and then that like the fact that we had a react native guy was such an asset that mm-hmm. it was like 
and that was like a direction they wanted to go. And I think at this point they're doing a lot of React Native, but um, I don't know. To me, that was always like my plan in the back of my head was like, well, just like stay like in the top one or two people who know React. Yeah. And React Native. And then that way, like they're not going to want to fire you and get rid of that chunk of capability and have to go find someone else to anyway. It was yeah. a not that I think they probably would have, but like positioning was, is key. Totally. It was weird. Yeah. Like um, you know, Jose was the Docker guy. Yeah. Um and he I think that was like self appointed, you know? Yeah. And it, a lot of that stuff is self appointed. Like you can just become the uh you know, Logan the, was the Elm guy for so long that he had to just yeah, go leave like, and be the Elm guy somewhere else. <laughs> Did he? I didn't. Even, I yeah. haven't followed. He went Logan to go an Elm agency job or something. That's awesome. Yeah, he's like writing Elm for a living. He's like one of the seven people writing Elm for a living. Wow. For those of you who don't know, this this good bud Logan uh, Henson Henson, not Hanson, right? Henson Henson. Yeah. Yeah. He was like he was the so sleeper. Smart. He's like the smartest. Smart. Yeah. We've talked about him on the show for sure. Yeah. Like he was we're, one of those... we're both smart people, but Logan is Yeah, like we're not actually smart. We just talk a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Logan doesn't talk that much at right, all. He doesn't He's talk that much at all. So smart. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he he carved out his niche as like the functional elm guy, the guy who like actually does who actually like uses other Ram- technologies in like meaningful ways besides he was just the guy like who would install Ramda in your project. Yep. And start like writing like functional JavaScript in your project. Yeah, that is very interesting. So that's, I mean, that's a good observation. How Man, important I bet positioning he hated is. Listening to our transducers episode, <laughs> if you listened, <laughs> idiots. Uh, yeah, he's like these guys are morons. I do all of this eight years ago, and you didn't explain it right. Um, Daniel, Rust is something like if I. If Are I were you to writing Rust, no, for for I'm, your thing, I'm too. Are you doing everything lazy. with Metaplex? I actually, so I'm doing like, I I installed Metaplex last night, by the way. Oh yeah, nice. I'm writing code. Okay, I, yeah, I do a lot with Metaplex, but honestly, right now I spend most of my time with this NFT stuff, with like all the Metaplex repos in GitHub open, all of oh. the Project Serum repos, like uh, you know Anchor. And all of the Solana Web 3JS repo mm-hmm. and SPL token and the wallet adapter repos, like, and the Skeleton Crew aired support, all of those repos open and just scouring them for code because none of them are perfect, obviously. Yeah. But it's, it is unbelievable. I, I was thinking about this this morning, D. Cole, and now you can verify this. Like, the programming we do is so handholdy. All the tools and ecosystems, even the ones we build, everything is so easy and handholdy. And yeah. there's community support, there's videos, there's documentation, there's conference talks. The APIs themselves are clean and they make sense and it's all easy. This Solana stuff is all hard. a thousand times harder than anything I do at my it's day so job. Hard. And that's why it's fun, dude. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, fun man, and not it's fun. nice to do something hard. <laughs> It is until you have if to you actually like deliver like something year, and you're like, oh my gosh, how in the yeah. world? If you don't am do I gonna... something hard for a year, like you forget that you like programming. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And then you're I like, oh, this is hard. Hell yeah. Yeah. This is rules. Cause yeah. like the hard stuff that I do in my like normal day to day life is like, 
oh, I'm going to have to make like a custom relationship. You know? Yeah. And right. It's like, eh, boring. Like, I don't care. Right. The the difference between you and I, as we've talked about a zillion times, and this always kind of emerges is like, yeah, yours is like, I my have life, to yeah, like it's a, a lot of dumb. hard stuff all the time, but it's, it's the good kind of hard stuff, you know, that you're talking yeah. about that makes me love programming all the time. But this stuff is hard in that way, but it's also hard in the like, you're not going to find a tutorial that's going to help you for anything. Yeah, no, you are going to solve this yourself. Yep. And you're, and any tools that exist out there are going to be half baked and half work and they're going to change every other day. Which honestly, like, here's the thing. If you were thinking of selling pickaxes in the Solana Gold Rush. Yeah, go be the... Now is the time. <laughs> yeah. Because as soon as someone makes a half decent SDK for this shit. I know. Everyone's going to make all the tools. So like... Yep go make shit now and sell it don't yep. make an nft i feel like making an nft is the actual i mean g- go for it caleb i love you but um how dare you i i feel like if i was telling someone how to make money in solana yeah it would it not, would be, not go be, make be making an nft, an NFT. no i fear I that i'm like, gonna make zero dollars off of that go make and this is what i'm working on right now um is something where you can plug in a project's wallet address yeah um and grab all of the transactions from Magic Eden and all of the marketplaces. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just plotting uh, a graph with three numbers on it over time, mm. which is uh, floor price, volume, and number listed. Dope. Yep. That's all you need. And that's just going to... Sick. Sh- that graph is just going to show me, like, should I ape into this project right, right now, is the theory. Yep. Um, And then there's a couple other stats that I want to capture, which is, is there any single wallet that owns more than 10% of them? Um, Oh, nice. Because that has rug vibes. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, What date did they mint or what date did they list on Magic Eden? So like how long have they been out? Um, And then I want to build a little sniping tool, which is Mm. of the listed. So... I have every sale on a database, right? Yeah. Including all of its attributes. Yeah. Um, I can go to Moonrank and get the rarity for yep. each thing. So I can basically say like, for this rarity, yeah. is it overpriced or underpriced nice. based on previous sales? So That's I just want to basically build like a, a little dashboard that you can plug a wallet address into, walk away for 20 minutes while it downloads all of the transactions yep. and whatever. But then basically say like okay like how good of a bet is this project right now yeah you know yeah dude. and then that will allow me to like triage projects and then go look at their discord and see if their community is good and if they have a good roadmap and all that other stuff you know that's the hardest part even like like a solonart has a really nice historical price graph but i don't think magic eden does magic eden doesn't it's kind of crazy how you can't just see that's why i think it would be like a huge like yeah, straight up just having historical advantage. prices for a project on Magic Eden yeah. is straight well, up like useful. Yeah. Super useful. So I've gotten to the point where I'm scraping uh, all the transactions. I'm filtering out any transactions that weren't to a marketplace. Nice, yeah. Um, I'm filtering out any transactions that um, that aren't of the right collection. So, for example, Solana Swine Gang, 
has some transactions where they bought other NFTs to put into the barn for investments. Okay. Um, and those were throwing off my numbers because like they bought a turtle for 10 soul and it like yeah. looks like there was a transaction for 10 soul. So I'm filtering out all the ones that aren't of their collection. Yeah. Um, and so now I have like a SQLite database with all the transactions Dope. and all the prices and dates and all So how are you getting stuff. this data? Is there like a Magic Eden API? Uh, no. Are Just you getting it the from blockchain. the chain? So you can get the, yeah. the wallet for the project. Okay. And when a, something sells on Magic Eden, they transfer the royalties to that wallet. Ah, okay. And that transfer includes the metadata of what the sale was. And nice what the price for the sale was and, and all how are you like getting the metadata for that transaction uh through whatever the hang on i'd have to open visual studio code to figure out which of these three libraries i'm using to get it look at you but saying it's the metaplex. whole visual studio it's somehow code. it's metaplex okay you're using metaplex to gotcha yeah yeah i spend a lot of time source diving metaplex and ripping out like entire pages of code because you can't import anything from metaplex basically like and and it should be as simple as that like they should just they could make it like a very nice tool Uh that you can use from other javascript projects but they don't and it sucks because of that um and metaplex itself it's like it's way better it's light years beyond anything else that exists like we need it but it's so frustrating they accept yeah. they merge pull requests willy-nilly for like entire features from like seemingly strangers so it's just random shit in there yeah, oh yeah they'll just like pull in a huge pull request that changes a ton of stuff and so you can't like if you're keeping up with you master like you're metaplex. gonna break everything yeah. and if you run metaplex like in the browser their you know their big like web app to manage all that your nfts and the mint and make master editions and everything mm-hmm. like candy machine stuff um, I don't think it actually manages candy machine stuff. It's just like if you wanted to create your own individual like piece of art NFT, uh-huh. like a master edition, minted, and yeah, then yeah. sell like editions of like it a, and everything. Your own thing, right, right? Yeah, like that's what it's really good for. Um, and there's it has like auction functionality built in. You could host your own instance of it and make that your own like NFT marketplace that people connect their wallets and buy editions and things. Gotcha. But running this thing is like it's straight up 20 minutes just to boot like literally to boot it's a react app this is the thing like and stauffer is is like on online he's like does anybody know how to get metaplex to not take 20 minutes for like anything you need to do and i'm i'm in the same boat like i don't even want to touch it because go ahead i swear to god like the promise of this is just like comes back to my like general criticisms, but it's like there's just people lying about what this stuff can do. People are just straight up lying about the capabilities of Web3. Mm. Like the idea that like, oh, yeah, it's just like a database, but it's not on a server and you can just interact with it. I'm like, fuck you. No, it's not because it takes so long to get records and I have to import them into a database anyway before I can do anything with them. And then now I'm responsible for some fucking polling job that like pulls stuff off of the blockchain and yeah. throws it into a database so that I can actually do work. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, if it was a database. Yes there no. would be a way to. I agree with yeah. you. And I think a lot of people like some, somebody, somebody just did the web three is bullshit post that's been going around. Yeah. I had it in a tab and I never read it. I skimmed it, but who's got time to actually read something. 
um, this uh, Web3 is bullshit. You know, there's a lot of that going around. Like, like what? Like, we're supposed to make blogs on Web... So this, you know, somebody like was like, this is how you'd make a blog on Web3. It's the future. And like, you yeah. know, your post is immutable and like yeah. all sorts of stuff like that. And that that to me is like, okay, I don't really care about that because I never... I don't envision the blog driven the web three driven blog future like i'm not into that i don't even think anybody sure. cares about that uh, so it feels kind of like a straw man argument against web three um i agree with you but i disagree with you in that uh i mean it's not even disagree you'd probably agree that some of the advantages of web three like just the tangible things that i experience biggest one for me top dog is not signing up for anything and never putting in an yeah. email or password no, that, that, stuff that alone is, is like that stuff is giant that is like everything to me like a future where i just have a wallet and i just hit connect wallet and now i can access your thing and you you have data about me you so basically have a user account with you is like have you used yaw.io no what's it called it's like ya it's actually a terrible domain name because it's ya and then like some arbitrary number of w's.io <laughs> i'm trying three alpha yaw Automated P two P Solana NFT. Is, I guessed it right. You could very easily buy Yaw with a different number of W's. Io. Yeah. And it's an NFT trading application. Sure. So it's like ripe for phishing. Oh, there's so much like that. That's that is the pitfall of this whole space and how easy it is to just. No, I'm just saying, like, if you're making a thing, don't make it something with an arbitrary number of W's <laughs> in it, so someone can just like easily confuse people. Let's try two W's and see. Well. Okay, they both actually, dude. Okay, they look exactly the same. Is it the same website or is it one of them a fish? I don't know. Dude, how would I know, man? But one anyway, has three W's and the other has two, and they're literally the domain names. It's really sick because what you do is you connect your wallet. Oh my gosh, dude. You, wait, okay, sorry. I thought four W's. Don't connect your wallet thing. until you figure out which one's real. Yeah, how the hell would I know? Um, but you like connect your wallet, you select an NFT. Okay. Then someone sends you their wallet address. You put it in the other side and you select the NFT that you want to trade. Mm. Uh, and then you can also add like a number of soul that if you want to like do like, I'll trade you this NFT plus a soul. Cool, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you like create a trade. It takes the thing out of your wallet and puts it in escrow. Cool. Uh, and it takes like a small fee, which like so far has been like probably like 0. 0.004 soul or something. Okay. Yep. Um, then it gives you a link that you can send to the person. You send it to them. They connect their wallet. They accept. It swaps the NFTs. They show up in your wallet. It's Great. so dope. That's awesome. Yeah. Such a cool little tool. Yeah. Problem is, if you have more than like five NFTs in your wallet, it takes eight mm. minutes. Not eight minutes. What? But it takes like it takes like a minute and a half to like load up your wallet and wow. be able to select the things in it. Yeah, that's wild. It's I mean, so I have bad. a... I have a thing going right now, my own little Solana workbench. And so just to kind of like, yeah, so I successfully, I'm going to show you quick. Sorry, listeners, but like this is Solana workbench and let me open it in an incognito. Nope, that won't work because I don't have the thing. Shoot, whatever. Ah, it's going to auto connect, but I finally have it all like no dependencies on anything. It's just Alpine, my own little Alpine package to connect to wallets um and then get this wallet instance and so i'm adding my own convenience functions like get nfts because that's a, like a difficult thing to do yeah. is to get all the nfts from a wallet and actually get yeah. the image in the metadata yeah, yeah it's complicated um but i did it and 
and it's like you can see these are all legit like straight up chain on chain requests to to the main net and it, you know i mean there's only two in here but i've i have a wallet with like 16 and it loads like pretty quickly yeah. um so i don't know what they're doing but it shouldn't be that slow no especially if you use your own rpc endpoint um yeah yeah dude the tech is uh it's something here's here's a weird thing so we're trying to we have these pots you know mm-hmm. and so we're we're gonna because like we're trying our best right now the space is super tough like like there when we started this you could mint garbage and people people would mint it you know yeah. people would sell no, you out. i've become so much more discerning about projects in the last three weeks that i've been in the nft space yeah i mean everybody has it's like it you can't just unless you're there is an illuminati like there's a laravel illuminati the laravel mm-hmm. elite there's a solana nft elite and and like if this isn't a known thing i'm i believe it's it dragons. wholeheartedly it's, it's dra- the dragons it's the dragons it's yeah the barbarioku dragon whatever those guys those dudes they could mint a pfp uh for the listener who's not you know an nft crypto bro uh that's a profile picture thing where the whole value of the nft is just straight up to like get a profile picture which mm-hmm. was running rampant at one point but now yeah now it's like the only pfps that ever sell out are the ones that the illuminati makes and they just pump it up on their like zillions of followers twitter accounts because they're these big mm-hmm. bad influencers and it's not even their twitter accounts it's the dragon's alpha channel that right that's that's yes. the thing and monkeys so any now, of those really elite uh <laughs> i have updates for you Caleb, that you don't know oh great this is great a moderator in the solanus wine gang discord seriously yeah <laughs> um i'm moving up in the world wow dude so, so daniel this is hilarious have, this, this is, is so the funniest funny. arc of our podcast this is the funniest sure. arc hands down <laughs> I still I still maintain all of my original criticism of the claims of NFTs. However, fucking so fun. Um, so I'm a mod in the SSG Discord. So I have access to the Barn Alpha. Okay. Um, which is if you ha- if you're a Barn member, which means you own three pigs. <laughs> um, then you are then you have access to the Barn Alpha channel. How did they the maintain that? Like is- I I want. I, we need to continue what you're saying, but I briefly, I want to know how, like if I hold three and then I drop one, am I kicked out? How does that happen? Yeah. How, who may, is that like infrastructure that is like on a polling schedule or hey, something? Do you know, do you know about SSG? Like, do you get the roadmap of SSG? No. Okay. Let me pitch you SSG real quick. Cause I actually wrote, this is how excited about SSG I am. I wrote a blog post. Okay. Solana Swine Game gang listener. Yeah. I wrote a blog post. That's how excited I am. I never write a blog post. Daniel wrote a blog post. Daniel. Wait, wait. Um, this this is a big moment. This is the completion <laughs> of months and months of a public commitment to write a blog post. You just completed it. I actually it. wrote it. It's. I'm not going to put it out as me, though. It's okay. going to be used for SSG stuff. Okay. Um, but basically, here's how SSG works. Um, so... If you're making a if you're launching an NFT right now, like you have to basically generate passive income for holders. Um, if you're not generating passive income for holders, you're not gonna moon. This is my theory. Yeah. If you're launching an NFT, I don't know if you said yeah, that yeah. or if I heard. So like SSG, turtles but, yeah. generates passive income. Uh dragons yeah. generates passive income. You gotta income. have like right. Or the coins or whatever. There's gotta, you gotta be have some, your tokenomics. Yeah. Just, there has to be right. There has to be utility. That, yeah, so here's how sure. here's how um, 
here's how I'm pitching SSG. SSG is a hedge fund for NFTs. Okay. Um, and by owning a pig, um, you own a share in that hedge fund. Okay. Right. But you don't actually get paid out on the dividends of the investments of the hedge fund unless you own three pigs. So three pigs gets you one equal share of the dividends from the investments of the hedge fund. Three pigs gets you one. Hold on. Three pigs gets you one equal share from the dividends of the hedge. Okay. Gotcha. So here's how it works. Every time a Solanus Wine Gang is sold on Magic Eden, okay. there's 7.5% royalties that okay. go back to the project. Yep. Of those royalties, 50% are put into a community investment wallet okay. called the Barn. Yep. The Barn is a community wallet. Yep. Then the DAO, the group of people who own pigs, yep. then vote on what to spend what to invest those funds into. Yeah. So okay. right now we have a tire robotics. Dope. Have, that is so cool. Yeah. We have a tire robotics. We have two turtles. We have a dapper duck that I donated. Um, nice. We have a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and most of the things we buy are all things that generate like ah. passive income through utility tokens. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, and most of them are like tokens that have like value on a dex that you can trade. Gotcha. Friends, the, what Dan is talking about, the utility tokens is like, like, uh, if you own a dapper duck, if you went on magic Eden and bought a dapper duck right now, you would, let's just say you'd have some, I mean, I did this and I just randomly got like 50 flock flock in my phantom wallet, which is like in my phantom wallet. When I go to the wallet, it shows me how much Solana I have how much soul I have, and then also now how much flock I have. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like a coin that, you know, is arbitrary, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. But will presumably have utility. I mean, ideally is like tradable and can take on a whole like economic life cycle of its own, but also yeah. can have specific have to, utility like, for the project. You have to give people a reason to need to hold it, not just to yeah. sell it. Right. Um, and so that's all roadmap questions Yep. about the project. So anyway... We have this investment wallet that like invests in things. We can vote to sell them if we want to sell them at a profit. Okay. Um, we can vote to not sell them if we want to keep holding them and getting the passive income, blah, blah, yep. blah. So in one week of operation, uh, we have generated 13.7 soul of profit. Nice. Um, which then splits awesome. among... Actually, I have all the numbers here. Let me just pull it up. Um, because it, it's all in my blog post. Friends, so, a soul right now is worth. Well, actually, everything's tanking. I just bought two grand more of soul because it's one hundred and seventy-three dollars. Yeah. So hey, if you're um, looking to buy some soul, it's cheap right now. In its first week of operation, the barn paid out point one soul, okay. which is like approximately twenty bucks per share to each of its seventy-one members for a total dividend of thirteen point seven soul. So the reason those numbers don't add up is that some people own multiple shares. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Um, so basically, if you own three pigs, you got 0.1 soul airdrop yeah. to you. Okay. If you own six pigs, you got 0.2 soul airdrop to you. If you have own nine pigs, you got 0.3 soul airdrop to you. Yeah. There's people who own a lot of pigs who got like 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7 soul just airdrop wow. to them for holding for a week. That's um, crazy. This is on top of bacon airdrops every pig you own 
generates two bacon per day. You get a daily airdrop of two bacon. Mm. Um, bacon <laughs> is on decks. Bacon is basically holding is value so cool. around between like a dollar fifty and two dollars. Yeah, which means you're getting three dollars a day per pig. Um, so if you own three pigs. And you also get an extra $2 a week if you hold that bacon okay. instead of sell it. So with three pigs, you're making about 60 bucks in bacon a week. Plus, you're making like 20 or 30 bucks of just investment dividends yep. per week. Um, so you're basically making like 90 bucks a week on some shit that you minted for 60 bucks. Right. Which is insane. That is insane. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's like an insanely cool project. And... You think about this. I can't afford a tire robotics and right. two turtles, right? Yep. But those are the things that are going to have the most stable value and the most likelihood of making fund. you money in the space is yeah. these blue chips, right? Yep. So what you get is you get like fractionalized, diversified right. portfolios of NFTs that are hedged against each other. So you can basically just invest in the Solana NFT ecosystem right. as a whole rather than having to like pick like, do I think turtles are going to do better than dragons? You yep. know, it's like a Solana like NFT in index pigs. fund. Yeah, you exactly. It's like an index fund, but it, they're also making calls, right? And they also are like using, a, yeah. and they're also like, right. It's a hedge fund in the sense that it's actively managed. Yeah. Yeah. It's actively managed. And the people who are managing it, like they're the number of votes that people have is dependent on how many pigs they have. Yeah. The people who have the most pigs are fucking dragons. Right. They're the, yeah. They're so the like, whales. So I just get to sit here and let dragons pick what my right. NFT portfolio oh my gosh, should be dude. and just make oh. money off it. Dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, dude. What a That's sick insane, project. That's insane, man. That's insane. Yeah. And this is the other cool thing. So the tokenomics are insane. I'm like so embarrassed that I'm a person who's sitting here excitedly telling you about the word <laughs> tokenomics, but let's go. Um, <laughs> the, the juxtaposition here is like extreme. <laughs> The tokenomics are insane, dude. So bacon, um, in order to get your, um, your weekly airdrop of Solana dividends, yeah, you must have sixty bacon in your wallet. Okay, three pigs does not generate sixty bacon in a week. Yep. Right. So either you need to hold an extra pig. Okay. In order to generate that much bacon, or you need to buy a little bit of bacon on decks mm. every week in mm -hmm. order to get your Solana. Oh it's worth gosh. it to buy right. $7 of bacon in <laughs> order to keeps, get $20 of salt. It keeps uh, the liquidity going on the And the, the amount of bacon you need to hold goes up over time. Okay. Right? Yep. So if you're an early adopter and you've been in the Dow for a long time, you're just generating enough bacon that right. you don't need to buy. And you don't to spend bacon. the bacon to receive the soul. You just have to hold it. You just have to hold it. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Um, so you're over time like grandfathered in, right? right? But new people who enter the barn basically need to catch up and go buy enough bacon to get to the point where they're earning the, the soul drops. Yep. Which puts like an inherent value on the bacon. Yep. Um, and so because of that, like that is what is like backing oh my gosh, the dude. value of bacon. They have, they're hitting all the, all the utility checkboxes. They're like incentivizing people to hold the NFT, to hold multiple of the NFT. They're also incentivizing holding of the tokens and giving token utility and making the tokens valuable. Well, um, and the devs are just not stingy, right? So here's the deal. Mm. The first week, 
they didn't do the 50% split. They did 100% split. So 100% of the oh. revenue from the first week. So they took their mint revenue that they earned, yeah. right? And just but gave it away. Their first week of royalties, which is arguably oh, when you're gotcha. have the most volume. I see. They put 100% of that into the barn. Gotcha. Rather than taking their own 50% split. Yep. And one of the devs donated the Taya Robotics, which was oh, like our wow. first That's... blue chip NFT. Right, right, right. And the because they invested all that money, they were able to put a $10,000 liquidity pool for Bacon, which means they're basically guaranteeing the price won't go below a certain thing or mm. above a certain thing, mm-hmm. um, which means that no one can like buy out the entire supply of Bacon and right. fuck the world. Which is happening with other which projects. Which happens in some cases and can kill the project. Yep. So like Forever. They're, they're doing everything right. That's crazy. Like, it's so cool. How and much so is anyway, a Solana Swine Gang right now? It's probably one point two five, I would guess. I haven't actually checked them today. That's not bad. Are they one two five? I don't know. Let's find out. Magic Eden Solana Swine Gang is how much it is loading and still loading. It's like a database, you know, but like it's decentralized try this again oh the link on their uh twitter account is broken um the floor price is one soul at the moment that's pretty oh, cheap one soul. man it's cheap discounted interesting um, dude i might buy in if i had a graph that showed me the historical price of solana swine gang yeah so get on that. um so the interesting thing is there have been no real spikes and no real it did go down to like 0.6 for like half a day at one point but then it yeah. all got swept um, and it was a big sweep where like there was a big sweep and delist at the same time yep. uh, where it went from 0.6 to 1.3 in like 20 minutes. Um, yep. And then it's basically gone like up to 1.3 and down to like one kind of back and forth constantly for the past like four days. Hmm. Um, so it's like pretty stable. It feels like Um but like the listed number is ridiculously low. Yeah, ninety nine right now. Yeah, it's like consistently since that sweep. 10%. So there was one hundred and fifty listed before that sweep. Yeah, that sweep took it down to eighty five, mm-hmm. and it's been under a hundred since that sweep. Wow! Like it's just been like no one's listing. Yep. And like what's crazy is people are coming in the Discord and going, "Oh man, I didn't have three pigs, so I didn't get that point one soul. Shit, just bought two more." Mm-hmm. right so like all these single pig holders are upgrading to three pig holders so yep. they can get in on the soul airdrops and stuff so i don't know it's interesting and all that volume every time they do that that just puts more money into the investment account yep you know, it's crazy man the level of abstraction with this stuff is nuts it's like, crazy yeah you're on that's like why i had to write three, it down four levels like, for five levels like, of abstraction beyond a u.s dollar you know yeah i just had to like write it down so that i could like explain it to people yep because like i was like trying to tell charlotte why i was interested in this and she was like what yeah what are like, you talking about it's like i gotta write this down yeah it's you were, crazy right because you didn't have the um the the guy park the dude park whatever yeah i didn't have a dude to, park to right, explain so you gotta just like <laughs> lambast your wife with, with nft uh <laughs> ins and outs yeah yeah it's wild man this uh this like i i tried there's been a few you know there's always hot projects coming out and I got in on one per the alpha. We talked about this, but it's just nuts how like 
how you get in. Oh, it's just insane how like these projects, the the big ones, you know, the ones kissed by the the dragons or whatever, by the Solana gods, they they mint instantly. You can't even find a mint link. They're like private discords. You're just looking for an invite. You can't. Yeah, you can't get like a link even to mint when the mint happens. So it's like for me, an outsider who's like dumb about a lot of this stuff is just like, oh, oh, they're minting at this time on this day. I'll set a calendar event. All right, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Wait, where's the mint link? Can't get it. And it's yeah. sold out in point out five seconds, seconds anyway. Yeah. And so there's no way you're going to get in on the mint. Then you're just refreshing secondary, waiting for it to show up on secondary. You can't even but find a link to right it. if you buy right away on secondary, you're fucked. Right. If you buy right away on secondary, it's too high. Yeah. And then you're screwed. So you have to wait till secondary goes down. Yeah, you have to wait like 18 hours for like the key paper hands moment. You have to know, right. You have to like know when to time this right. Then you, so you time the floor right. Then you have to time the first pump and have enough grit to like wait out the first pump till that crashes and then go for the second pump. And if you're like a real hardcore NFT guy, you might wait for a third pump. You have the judgment to know if a third pump's happening and the judgment to hold for that third pump. That's, the, and I think that's why, like, I'm only from here on out, like, I'm not investing in anything that's not generating passive income. Yeah, because it's, because dude, it's, it's like, insane. I just want to not think about it. I want to buy the shit and just hold yep, it. I know. And then, like, if I wake up one day and it went to 20 soul, then I'll fucking sell it and make a lot right. of money. Yep. You know, but if I don't, then it's like, all right. I'm just going to hang out in this community and make my $60 a week. And, yep. you know, I mean, like, it's a lot for me. It's like 120 because I have six, but like 120 bucks a week yeah. for just doing nothing. That's nice. Like, that's more than I make off of the carbon ads on, a month. on the Liveware site. <laughs> yeah. That's half my fucking mortgage. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy, <laughs> dude. Sitting around. Wow. Dan Cole. It's ridiculous, dude. That is ridiculous. And I mean, who knows how long it'll go on, right? Like, Because I guess if volume went to zero, then that would stop the growth of our investment pool. Right. Right? Yep. But we would still have the money we already have to invest. Yep. So then that would only die if all of those investments failed eventually. Yep. Right? Yep. But like at the current rate, like that, the number, my weekly number should only go up because our investment pool is being fed by volume. Right. So we can invest in more and more and more and more things. So if one of these is a Solana, let's just say it's $200. So to get six of them, it's 1200 bucks. And if you're generating 120 bucks a week, that's a 10% per week return on investment, which per year is like absurd. Yeah. Um, so it's a great, you know, and so like, I wonder what the payoff point is like after, you know, well, after I could, we could just say after 10 weeks, you're at the point where the NFT itself could go to zero and you, you're holding a bag of nothing for the NFTs, but you've already generated but I still own a $1,200 in Solana. So like you and could convert you that to if cash. if the NFT went to zero, I bought a shit ton of them at 0.2. Which means right, I but now I'm, no I'm longer pretending own. that I bought one at one. I bought six at R- one. No, no, no. But I'm saying like, even if you bought one at one, if yeah. the NFT starts going to zero... I'm going to buy them at 0.1 or 0.2. Yeah, right. And because that just gives more. me more shares in right. the existing pool of value. Yep. Right? So like there's incentive to not let it go to zero because like you could just steal value if it gets cheap enough. Right. Which is wild. That is wild. That is wild, Dan Cole. This is hilarious. Um folks, Daniel is all in on NFTs. Fully red-pilled on far fucking. more than I am. 
<laughs> which I'm is fully red hilarious. I own basically one actual NFT, <laughs> a soul God, mm. which is like a cheap NFT. Yeah. Um, that's the only Dude, thing that I have hustling. this of any I'm out value. Here sitting in alpha evaluating mints with people being like, eh, there's not enough people online in the discord. Right. Like, Dude. Yeah, it's funny. That's great. Love it, Deke. Um, I, I correctly made a call that a really big mint was going to rug. Mm. And I didn't mint it. And I was right. What was it? Uh, werewolf pack. I, I mean, they haven't rug rugged yet, but they had 14,000 people in their Discord. Yeah. And a one soul mint price. Wow. For 3,000. Wow. Of them. Yep. And I was like, this is bullshit. Those yep. are bots. There's no yeah. fucking way. But there was there's dragons in there. Right. There's thugbirds in there. You know. Yeah. I was like, I don't like it. Fucking eighteen hours after mint, still not sold out of three thousand. Mm. So yep. they probably have sold out by now because they were at like, you know, they were a couple hundred away. Okay. But that shit's not that shit's not going anywhere. Yep. Yeah, that's uh it's very interesting. Yep, you heard it. Um. So Daniel, next episode I'll be like, so I was wrong about werewolves. There at twenty. <laughs> Hot tip: Go buy a werewolf. Um, that's great. That's great, Daniel. Love to hear it, yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Um, Daniel, I have a wicked headache, and uh, oh, yeah. so we should cut this episode. Just off, get out of here. But um, but this is uh, this has been Daniel is way into NFTs more than <laughs> Caleb. Way. That's the. <laughs> way more it's, into nfts than caleb it's <laughs> fucked up i love it man i love it because it's exactly it's so funny it's exactly what i'm like dude you can come criticize it after you at least experience how fun it is and how creative it is then you can criticize yeah. it and you've Listen, done that you and can you still talk shit about smoking crack after you've smoked after crack, you've okay? smoked crack exactly smoke some you crack can't and just then, I'll, say, then i'll hear your complaints about crack right then you'll at least know how good it is yeah Yep, so yeah, that's having right. a blast over here. Love, love to see it, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, should we cue this outro music? I think we should cue, cue, wing, outro it, music, and. <laughs>